Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Real Talk, a movie podcast. We are your go-to source for ratings and recommendations of past and present films. I am your host, Wes Jones, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hey, this is Tommy, podcasting straight from Nashville, Tennessee. The movie buddy Conway, podcasting from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Hey listeners, if you've been listening to our recent episodes, you've been hearing about the epic sci-fi book series Shadowed Stars by author Stephen Couch. We're so excited to have Stephen as a partner of Real Talk, a movie podcast, because Shadowed Stars incorporates all the aspects of storytelling that most of us movie fans love. As the movie buddy always says, he likes when the story transports the audience to a different world, and that's exactly what Stephen is doing with the book series. Shadowed Stars is an epic science fiction series, but as we learned on our recent interview series episode with Stephen, he likes to incorporate other genres into his books, such as romance, horror, action, and even westerns, which I love that approach. Now, I do want to caution that Shadowed Stars is for a mature audience, so I don't recommend tucking the kids into bed while reading chapters from the book. It being for a mature audience is another aspect that I think is very unique as we normally don't get that with other sci-fi epics. Stephen has eight numbered books planned in the series. The odd numbered books will focus on one line of characters. The even numbered books will focus on another line of characters with some cameos mixed in. This helps to keep the stories fresh and the character arcs forming over the entire series. Listeners, I can't encourage you enough to check out Shadowed Stars. Book one is available now and so is book two, Shadowed Stars, The Reign of the Black Guard. Stephen is hopeful that book three will be available by the end of 2021. Now, where can you purchase these books? Book one and two, again, available now. Head over to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, iTunes, you name it. For more information on Shadowed Stars and author Stephen Couts, visit ShadowedStarsBooks.com. What's up, Real Talk listeners? I can't believe October is over. Another Halloween has come and gone, but once again, I think Real Talk did October right. We kicked it off with an episode on The Shining with Dave, Dr. Shock Becker, and then we brought back our fantasy movie draft and applied it to five categories in horror films, and we were joined on that episode by Big Bill Van Vagel from Land of the Creeps. He came and competed with us, and we're currently in our voting stage, so stay tuned to Real Talk to find out who won the horror movie draft. And although it's not October anymore, we have one more horror episode, and it's horror light, bringing Preston Driver on to talk about the horror comedy Tremors from 1990. But tonight, in this episode, we're going to do a little something different, something that we've never done before. So I'm pretty excited about this. We're going to bring to you our coverage of the Scarefest, which is a horror convention held annually in Lexington, Kentucky. And it was held at the Central Bank Center and Lex Live in downtown Lexington and was held October 22nd through the 24th. The Real Talk Trio, a couple of our friends came up with us. Well, one, Wes, was a resident saw expert. We pay him on staff. That's right. That's right. We did have a resident saw expert uh, joined us, and then the guy that designed our original podcast logo. And we've been joking with Matt that we're just going to just keep mentioning that original podcast logo. (laughs) Once upon a time, he designed this logo for us. We don't use it anymore. It's just existed 
And so, listeners, <laughs> if you get a chance, look up Matt Holland on Facebook. He's friends with all of us. Tell him thanks for that one time he designed a podcast logo that's no longer in use. So, <laughs> so uh, tonight, again, we're going to talk a little bit about the event, Scarefest, that we went to. We're going to bring you some celebrity interviews. We're going to bring you a few funny stories that happen. And we're hopefully we'll get you excited to attend next year's event because I'm pretty sure we have a consensus from Real Talk that we want to go back and do this again. So let's kick this episode off. We're going to play a quick interview with Wes Forsyth. He is the media director for Scarefest. And before I play the interview, I just want to say Wes is awesome. And no, I'm not talking in third person. We're talking Wes Forsyth here. He puts so much work into making Scarefest a success. He was so accommodating with us. He did a great job whenever he introduced the celebrities at the Black Carpet event, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. He hooked us up with some media passes to attend, and so I just wanted to play a little from Wes here. He's going to give you the lowdown on what Scarefest is and the origins of it. We are here with Wes Forsyth, the media director for the Scarefest. And Wes, welcome to Real Talk. Thank you so much for donating your time and talking with us tonight. How's things going? They were we're under the gun now. The the t- clock is ticking, and we're trying to hammer out details and and find mistakes. And of course, all the mistakes come back on me. I just found a banner that I had the wrong date, I had the right day of the week and the wrong date. So little details. We're hammering out details at this point, but there are still a lot of details. Oh, I'm sure. And here we are. Real talks bothering you taking you away from doing something much more important than talking to us. So again, we, re- we really appreciate you, you taking out a little no, time. The truth of the matter is I'll be on another zoom meeting in 30 minutes. So don't worry about it. Let's just jump right into it. I just thought it would be cool for the audience to hear a little uh, about Scarefest from somebody that that's been there, who's worked there. So tell us a little bit about your job as the media director and your involvement with Scarefest. Okay, well, let me first say the way I ended up with this job is a story in itself. But I um, basically approached Patty Starr several years ago when she owned the Scarefest, and I was a podcaster, and I was doing a show called The Paranormal Icon, and I it was about paracons. It was basically that's what the show was about. And I said, I'm, I live so close to you, Patty, and we do this show every year. Why don't you just we set it up where once a month I do, I donate an entire episode to the Scarefest. And she thought that was great. And we did that for about for a year and it went pretty well. And so I went in ready to pitch the idea of, hey, let's make this a TV, uh, a radio show, Scarefest Radio. And she was waiting on me and she, they jumped at it. So I worked for them doing their podcast, uh, gave up my other podcast. We did that for a couple of years. And then when Brandon and Nicole took it over, they uh, talked me into doing video, so it developed into Scarefest TV. And then, uh, so I was handling a lot of the media anyway, just because that's where I was. But basically, I walked into Scarefest uh, two years ago now. Yeah, <laughs> two years ago now, and um, went to the uh, the walkthrough. We have a walkthrough of the convention center the the night or two nights before the convention and they walk up to me and hand me the a stack of staff t-shirts and say you are the new media director uh the old <laughs> one had got called away for uh basically work reasons and could not be with us and so i that's i that weekend was my uh baptism of fire into being the media director and from that but i did it well enough 
that they have been folding job by job, position by position, and I'm talking about people under me, folding things under my direction. So in other words, it's become a media department rather than just a little team. So it was just a, a natural progression that they just slowly lured you in is what it sounds like. Actually, the way I word it is, if you go to Scarefest enough times and hang around, someone will give you a job. <laughs> that actually sounds like fun, though. So I might I might be up there trying uh, applying for something. It, it's I'll tell you, working for Scarefest is great, and it is a lot of fun, and I meet great people. The people I've met through the, the uh, podcast and video cast have been absolutely fantastic. But, okay, you, always, you hear the old uh, adage, you don't want to see the sausage being made. Mm. Oh, trust me, that is a true, that is true. If you ever, <laughs> the things that go on behind the scenes, it just, I mean, we have to slaughter the cat. I mean, it's its beginning to end. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that just, uh, it's unimaginable to put on the type of show we do and to pull it off like we do every year. If you don't know this, no problem. I, I'm assuming you have a, a little bit of a history of it, but this, of course, marks Scarefest 13, and unfortunately, due to the virus, last year's event had to be canceled. Can you take us back to the roots of the event and just talk us through how this idea for a convention turned into a reality? Yeah, I, I know a lot of background on it. Of course, now, out of the 13 years I've been there, I started off, I, I'm like everybody, I started off as an attendee. I think the second one was the first one that I ever went to. Um, but the story behind it is that a gentleman came to Patty Stark and said, hey, Patty, horror conventions are getting really big. Let's have a horror convention. And she said, well, I don't know anything about horror, but if you'll fold para paranormal into it, I'm in. Well, and that was the birth of the Scarefest Horror and Paranormal Convention. It was just a marriage of convenience. Uh, two people that had their own um, specialties came together to create it. Um, it grew from there. The um, in all fairness, the the horror is where the money is. It's where the people are, I should say. It's a lot larger fan base, but we've held on to those paranormal roots. So we figure now the convention overall, we count on 90 percent horror related content and vendors and stars and 10 percent paranormal, which still makes us one of the biggest paracons in the United States of America. So, but but it just grew from that. It started out in part of the convention center. Then we took over half the convention center. Then in a year or two, we took over the entire convention center. And it just kept growing. Of course, now we're in the brand new convention center, which is bigger than the old convention center. And we don't see any end in sight to the growth. No, that that's awesome. And I love how that you've stuck to your roots as well and, and kept it that Paracon as well. So that's that's great. Then there's another aspect of that that a lot of people don't appreciate. We've also, because we're old, you know, we're fans. Now, mm -hmm. Me, I'm a movie fan. Okay, I wouldn't call myself a horror fan. I like horror movies, but I, you know, I, I don't really get into the minutia of it. It's a fan owned by fans. Brandon Griffith is uh, one of the biggest uh, horror geeks you'll find anywhere. And that's that's how he, what uh, made him uh, jump at the chance to purchase the uh, Scarefest uh three years ago it creates a more of an atmosphere oh it's a cliche but it really is a family atmosphere and we we keep it family friendly as best as we can in the genre that we're dealing with uh, we keep the prices to me artificially low 
mm -hmm. as far as ticket prices and everything. Agreed. Because we want people to be able to enjoy the convention. So there's been 12 previous years worth of events. So can you tell mm -hmm. us some of the best memories from past events or a couple of those stories that have gone down as Scarefest legend? Well, honestly, all the really good stories happen at the VIP party about 10 minutes after I leave because <laughs> I'm not a young man anymore and I have to, I have to go to bed about midnight or one o'clock. And then they happen uh, in the uh, security department. The security department gets everything. My best memories, honestly, of the Scarefest, other than I want to go ahead and give a little shout out to Brandon and Nicole Griffith, the faith they have put in me. I mean, four years ago when they bought it, they did not know they had never met me. And to bring me up uh, in, into the organization as they have and to put the trust in me they have, uh, that is my best memory of the Scarefest. Now, what your fans want to hear, though, honestly, my best memories. Now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a smoker, okay? And I meet the best people out on the smoking lounge, and I'm talking celebrities. <laughs> and, and it's just, in, there, in other words, we have our own little clique, if you will, out on the sidewalk outside the convention center every year. I, I'm not great with stories. I mean, Tiffany Sheffitz tried to kill me two years ago because I, I brought her bad news. You know, that, that, that's, that's most of my stories. Felissa Rose, who, who we also have booked this year, is one of my favorite people on earth. And no matter what I say to her, she treats me like I am her best friend. And she probably does that to everybody, but it makes me feel good. These are good people. Felissa just seems like that, and I've I've wanted to meet her, and so I've got my my sleepaway camp material ready to go, and uh, I'm going to bring it up there and, and and wait in line or whatever I need to do to to get to meet her and talk to her. She just her personality during interviews and uh, even in movies it just kind of radiates. So definitely someone I'm looking for. Yes, and I, well, I, I and I interviewed her earlier this year, and actually last year too, even during the pandemic, and the um. One of the best things about her, and this is watching her from the outside in, take the personal relationship out of it. If you look at her, what she does now, she has gained such a following and has such um, gravity. She is getting better and better movie roles all the time and letting us see that she actually can act. Mm -hmm. And she's not just a little girl who screams at, you know, uh, at sleepaway camp. No, I fully agree really looking forward to the event and I appreciate you donating your time to real talk and, and just telling us a little bit behind the scenes of what goes on with the Scarefest. You're absolutely welcome. And I hope everybody comes and sees us October 22nd through 24th. All right. I think that interview gave you a little bit of a feel for what Scarefest is and again, a little history about how it came together. So let me bring in the co-host here. And gentlemen, to my knowledge, all of us were virgins to the horror movie con experience and maybe even the movie con experience. So don't take in don't take into consideration anything that happened the, at the event. But what were your expectations going in? Honestly, I had no clue what to expect, Wes. I like I love horror movies and I this is some of the best people watching you'll get out there. You got everything from Frankenstein watching back, walking by to Skeletor. I refound that. I found that seven foot Chewbacca that looked at me while I was peeing and I took a picture with him. You know, it's just <laughs> some of the best, best things that you can imagine happening in a day happen in this, happen in the day that you're at Scarefest. So it's more than I expected, honestly. Got to meet some famous people and got to do my favorite thing is late at night, watch 
some horrible horror movies. We got to watch <laughs> Killer Clowns from Outer Space and The Toxic Avenger, and that was a treat. Timon, what about you? What were your expectations going into the event? Yeah, I don't think I had any set expectations. You know, this is just something I've been wanting to do for a while is go to a, a movie convention. Not necessarily, I'll be honest, like, I didn't really want to go to maybe a horror movie convention just by itself. I think I would probably want to do like a science fiction convention would probably be my preference if I did one. That would, like f- science fiction fantasy, I feel like would be probably my ideal. So hopefully I can do that in the future. But I think there was enough for me to appreciate. Like, I'll be honest with you, there was a lot of like actors from horror movies that I didn't know who they were. Um, so I didn't get a lot out of that. But there was enough that I did that I appreciated it. Um, but I just liked being in the atmosphere. I liked being around the people dressed up, having a good time. There was a lot of boost you can enjoy. So I think it run the gamut of a lot of enjoyable things you can do. Um, I, I think some of the best stuff was those uh, screenings that we talked about. Um, that was a lot of fun. They had, you know, um, panels where people were being interviewed. So I think that was a lot of fun. So I think it definitely met my expectations, you know, just from a having fun standpoint. And it's definitely something that I would like to do uh, again in the future for sure. It's something I forgot. I didn't say this, but it's something I'll talk about for a long time. I'll talk about how I got to see our resident saw expert Zach's eyes light up when he got to meet Jason. You know, I'll remember that Jason, for some reason, just you know, constantly called out T-Man. He was like, "There, who's the T-Man? Of course it's you, big guy. He said that and then pointed at T-Man. Like, you know, things like that will really stick in my heart for a long time, I feel like. Guys. First off, I'm pretty sure Kane was intimidated by me. He didn't <laughs> He didn't know. He, he picked out the biggest guy of the group and went straight at you. You always go for the threat. Kane knew it. He tried <laughs> to take me down. He failed, and he realized, and he backed off. Well, 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 let's get into a little bit of, of what went on on Friday. So we all arrived on the 22nd, again, which was a Friday. And the very first thing that they do is what's called the black carpet event. And that started at three o'clock. And it's exactly what you would expect. It's literally a black carpet walkway set up so the celebrities that are attending the event can kind of walk down the carpet pose for the fans, take some photos and all that. And that was pretty cool to see. And so once we got checked in, we got our press, our media credentials, and we were actually allowed to walk down where the celebrities were going from the black carpet into the main area for Scarefest where it was being conducted. So we were literally allowed because of our badges to stand on the other side of the barrier with the celebrities. And so as they were coming down, I'm like, man, we're, we're literally like three or four feet from all the celebrities that are there. So I'm just going to start waving at them. So I started waving at them. And when they would wave back, I would just take pictures. And we posted those pics on our Facebook and Instagram. So that was a unique experience for me because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, we're actually part of the press now, which is so funny for me. Honestly, if you want to avoid lines to get autographs and do what we were trying to do, which was score a few interviews. This is honestly the best time to do that because right after the black carpet event, it gets busy pretty quick, but there's a good hour or so before the crowd really starts to build. And, and Gabe, honestly, I regret us not taking full advantage of those opportunities to get, you know, people like Bill Mosley and, and some of the other ones there that we We missed out on. But next year, I think we'll be, 
better equipped. Before we get to a couple of the interviews, I wanted to ask you guys, you know, after having this idea of what the event was going to be, what is the first thing that stuck out in your mind? Like whenever you walked into the event, like what was one of the first things that kind of stood out to you? The main thing that that stuck out to me was just how large of an event. I wasn't expecting it to be so large. It was like like three football fields side by side by side. And I, I couldn't really get over the amount of merchandise that they had for sale, you know, T-shirts and what? posters and handmade crafts, stuff like that. That's what initially stuck out to me. What was that boxer that was there? What's his name? Butterbean. So you want, you want to know what stuck out to me? I walked to the back. Uh, and, and it stuck out like a Thor sore thumb. I walked to the back and I'm going to get, do some interviews. And I noticed Butterbean selling alligator claws. And I'm like, <laughs> what in the world is he doing at this place? I was like, and poor Butterbean, nobody was talking to him. And he's there with his alligator claws and heads. And I'm like, but it stuck out. I'm going to have to be honest. Hey, that's a good stuck. That's, that's, that's definitely going to stick out for sure. You I liked, fun. uh, I definitely liked the Evil Dead cars that were there. Yeah, that that was cool. I'm a big Evil Dead fan, and I really liked seeing they had, I believe it was one of the cars from Ash versus uh, uh, Evil Dead, Mm -hmm. and then, um, of course, the Cadillac that's in the series. You know what's really funny about about the Butterbean thing is when we got in the car, our resident, our person that made one of our logos that we no longer use said, he goes, (laughs) He goes, you know, I was thinking about buying one of those alligator claws from Butterbean. He goes, just, it's just a cool story. I can be like, you know, hey, where'd you get that alligator claw? I bought it from Butterbean at the Horror Fest. I was like, man, I should have done that. The boxer, Butterbean, selling alligator claw. <laughs> I just don't, I don't know. I think he made the right choice not to buy one. I, <laughs> if I went by, I had an extra $10, and I was going to see if Butterbean would sell me one for 10 bucks, but they were sold out. So I was like, well, there goes that opportunity. Well, they obviously sell like hotcakes then, so he's got a little alligator claw business going on. Yeah. Well, one of the main people I was there to see was the lovely Felissa Rose, who is um, uh, famous for her role as Angela Baker in Sleepaway Camp. Felissa just seemed like one of those people that is kind of the life of the party. You know, she was so kind and so genuine. You know, there was she didn't have a big line, but there was these people that were in front of Gabe and I, and they were she was literally with them for about 15 to 20 minutes. And you normally don't see that. Again, there wasn't a big line. There was just a few of us in line. But, I mean, she was just so genuine and just talking to them. And she had just gotten off a flight from England, so she was really tired, but still just there, just like trying to have energy and just embracing the fans. She's now been in over 100 films, and if you pull up her filmography, it's covered up with stuff that's in production and stuff like that. So anyway, here is the movie buddy and I's mini-interview with Felissa Rose. In your estimate, and I I guess I should introduce, we're here with Felissa Rose, star of Sleepaway Camp, and in your estimate... What makes Sleepaway Camp, like, why has it been so enduring over the years to so many fans? Why is it standing the test of time? Why do you think? I mean, that's a great question. I think Sleepaway Camp resonates with an audience. Truly, I feel like, uh, well, there's a lot of social commentary, but uh, I think we all have Angela inside of us, like an awkward, confused person. As a young person, there's so much coming at us that we're trying to figure out. And I think a lot of people relate to that 
sweet character, and um, it's a good revenge story. So we get back at everybody. So it's kind of fun in that way. It's like you want to protect her and you relate to her, but you also get something at the end. That's right. Look at me, and I don't condone murder, but I think it's fun to live film in that way. You, you get more than a little something there at the end, that's for sure. <laughs> Just a little something. Just a little something. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back on this question a little bit. Yeah. So, you attended Lee Strasberg Institute. Yes. You started performing in plays around Manhattan. Yes. And with some great producers and writers. Adam Sandler yes. was in your school with yes. you at the time. It, it just sounds like a really fun time in your life. Oh, like, what sticks out most to you during that period of your life? I mean, honestly, you know, NYU was the greatest experience I ever had in my life. And I would have to say, like, the teachers and the learning, the craft itself, you know, I, I never understood acting until I really went and trained in the studio. Um, so it was making all of those friends. It was one big family, like Ken Marino and, um, and like you said, Adam Sandler and everybody who was there. It was just uh, a once-in-a-lifetime experience, really. Sound really fun. We right. appreciate. It. We just All wanted right, to ask you. I have one question. Yes. Okay. Don't All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. We're talking about Adam Sandler. And, and this one. Sheridan was friends with him too because he was part of that whole SNL group. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's well, like my best friend in the whole world. Well, I can't wait till he shows up. Maybe yes, we'll ask him a couple be, questions. Mine's hopefully easy. he'll come by. What's your favorite scary movie for Halloween? Um, I would say Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. Oh. I think it's terrifying, and I love it. And to me, it's so brutal and so gritty and dark and the characters are just captivating because they're so horrific. I love that film. Alright, Bill Van Bagel from Land of the Creeps. Melissa Rose chose your favorite yes, movie. That's right. This is your moment in time. Yay! You guys are so sweet. Thank you Thank so you. much for doing that. So after we got done talking with Felissa, Gabe and I walked down a little bit further and we stopped at Judy Arnison's booth, whose first role was Samantha and what many people consider the best Friday the 13th film, the final chapter. And she was also hilly in Weird Science. She's been in American Ninja and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which, you know, looking at the rest of her filmography, that one definitely stood out as kind of the oddball in her filmography. But anyway, here's our interview with Judy Aronson. We're here with Judy Aronson, who is the star in Weird Science and in Friday the 13th, the final chapter. So and thirteenth fanboy that premieres tonight. There we go. There we go. So you played Sam in Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter. In that movie, over the years, it's really gained like such a huge following. It's considered one of the best Fridays now, if not the best Friday. So I mean, why do you feel that the movie has become such a fan favorite? Because there's so many of them out there. And what sticks out most to you about making the film? A few things. I think that our characters had real personalities. It wasn't just slasher. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you actually felt for the characters, I think, you know, that's my opinion. Um, they had real personalities. You, you liked the characters. Um, you know, the little boy who was Corey Feldman. It was so cute because he was just such a, you know, his first time seeing a girl you know like that uh his his relationship with the sister you know it's like you can identify with the characters well i think it's not just at summer camp or blah blah, blah. you know it's like you really each one has a story so i think that that may be why and what i remember about shooting it is 
the most is, um, well, first of all, we had such a lovely cast. We all got along so great, and it was such a nice experience. Uh, for me, it was my first movie, so it was just so exciting. Um, and it did feel like summer camp, you know, and we'd go on location together, and um, it was That just, sounds fun, except for the killing. <laughs> that was in the filming, though. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but but it being wasn't real. together was so much fun. Um, you know, for me personally, I'm sure you know the story, as everybody does. Uh, most memorable was the night that I was killed and I got hypothermia yes. while shooting it because it was filmed on a very, very cold December night while I was in water from sundown to sunup. I always so, wondered what it was like to die in a movie. Like, it sounds a lot like... Sounds a lot like real life. Like now. real life, yeah, <laughs> in that particular scene. It was, it was harsh. It was very difficult. Um, but I will dispel rumors. Uh, I did get along with Joe Zito, our director. And I know some rumors said that, you know, we didn't and he was a jerk. But he was not a jerk. He was a very nice man and a good director. And he did care. It was just one of those situations where, you know, we're doing night shoots. And yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult situation. It's high pressure. Yeah. It was high pressure. It was a difficult... And it was difficult. They did get me out and warm me up. And, and Ted White did, you know, insist on that, that at that moment because he saw what I, you know, the suffering I was going through. Um, but, um, it, you know, it, it, it had, I had to die on a, in a lake and we were shooting in December. What do you do? Yeah. You know? So that was very memorable as far as the shooting I'm part sure. of it. But, I'm sure. That, that's always stuck with you. And then one more, I want to ask a weird science question. Yeah. Just kind of a fun yes. question. So if they if they made a sequel to Weird Science, what do you think your character Hilly would be up to now? And would she still be with Wyatt? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think she would be with Wyatt because Wyatt would have been so supportive of her and good to her. And... Um, I think that I think that they turn out to be a nice couple together. I think that you know they were living in Chicago, uh-huh. not LA. Now, if you were telling me that this took place in Los Angeles, maybe a little bit different. Because <laughs> people get divorced, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, Midwestern. I think that you know. Uh, I think actually. You know, the character is very similar to Alon, the actor who's here, right there, the actor who played him, and he's, you know, he teaches English Renaissance now. And I think I could see Wyatt actually yeah. doing, doing that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh-huh. Um, we might have to ask him the same question. We'll ask him the same thing. Dor Alon, and he's, he is, you know, he's like an older Wyatt now. There you go. So... Yay. A little fun thing we're doing. What's your favorite horror movie? Well, <laughs> it's hard. There, there's, there's, a, there's a lot to say there. You can't just answer. What's your favorite Whoa. horror film? <laughs> this is exciting. The reason why is because my first experience with a horror film is the one that makes the biggest impression on me, and Same. that was when I was 12 years old. Uh, my parents took my little sister and I to see a film and it was a multiplex and in that multiplex they were also showing the exorcist oh. and 
and I asked my parents if I could go in that movie theater instead. And so I brought my little sister and I went into that movie theater to watch The Exorcist. And I didn't know from horror movies, but I wanted to see, for whatever reason, I wanted to see The Exorcist. And I remember the very beginning, the very opening scenes. <laughs> I was so excited. It's like I'm watching it. And just like one little thing that wasn't even scary, scared the living daylights out of my younger sister. Right and she ran it. right at the opening. And she ran out and went to my parents. And I sat through The Exorcist by myself. And I loved it. And that wow. was my first experience. How old were you? 12. She's 12. That's yeah. incredible. I'm pretty sure I was, I'm pretty sure I was 12. What was the year it came out? Anybody? Let's 73, look at... I believe. Yeah. I saw uh, oh, wait a second. Wait a second. I might have been younger. She's... I need to know. Because I know I was really... And for some reason, I feel like I was 12, but I might have been younger. Hold on. I was warning. Are you sure? Can someone look it up? Yeah, I think I'm almost positive it's 73. He's got, he's got it, though. We got our stats guy. Okay, we'll come back Check to that. It's that. We've got, we're fact-checking right now. Fact-checking, fact-checking. We just learned do, do, that do, do, far do, do, more brave than me. I saw The Shining at 9 and slept with a baseball bat for like a year. <laughs> so, 73. 73? Oh, I was wrong. So I was 9. Okay. I was 9. Why did I think 12? So I was 9. So my little sister was only 6 or 7. I was 9. That's um, crazy. Yeah. I saw the I saw the By shining yourself. at nine and I was petrified. So you are far braver than me. <laughs> so that's my first experience, and I'll always remember that. But for some reason, I thought I was twelve. Um, but uh, I, other than that, I didn't think I liked horror films really. And then I saw a friend of mine is in Saw, so I saw Saw. I went to the premiere with her, and I was like, I was laughing through a lot of it. I'm like, oh, there's humor in horror there, in this. And I actually really liked it. And then I went to a special showing of Killer Clowns that Suzanne, you know, from Weird uh -huh. Science, my best, and she's still one of my closest friends. So I went with her, and I was like, oh, Killer Clowns, you know, wouldn't be my... And, oh, my gosh, I was laughing. It's a, it's I love Killer Clowns. And it was They're doing scary. that tonight. So I know, I, think we're, I know. I think we're going to stick around for that. So, yeah. so I actually really loved it. So I was like, oh, maybe I do like horror films. I star <laughs> in horror films all the yeah. time. But... I actually haven't really gone to movies to see them other than The Exorcist and then those, and I really liked them. Well, if you sat through The Exorcist at nine, we're going to go ahead and brand you a true horror film. So I think, I think we're our horror fan, I think we're going to. And I'm going to give you a recommendation. If you like killer clowns, we have a friend. He's the director of a clown movie. Kevin Kangas, if you're hearing this, Fear of Clowns is spectacular. <laughs> and it will also make you chuckle. Yeah. I want you guys to know that I have a film coming out today, October 22nd. Okay, tell us what it is. Called 13 Fanboy, and you guys have got to see it. 13 um, Fanboy. Yes, Actually. and it is starring several actors that have been in the different Friday the 13th, including myself. I have a great role in it, such a fun role. And uh, it starts tonight. It's actually showing here at Lex okay. Live this week. And tomorrow okay. night we're going to be doing a Q&A, a screening and a Q&A. But there's screenings every day this week called 13 Fanboy. It's got Kane Hodder, Deborah Voorhees, and then Dee Wallace, who is not. You know, she's from Halloween. Right. She's the one person not from Friday the 13th in it. And um, it's about a fan who's going around killing, stalking and killing the actors from uh, Friday the 13th. I feel like I had that idea in seventh grade. And <laughs> didn't uh, this is actually really fun, and there's twists and 
and it's, it's a fun. This. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. That's no. fair. <laughs> so, um, but I could tell you it's a killer movie. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> no, you, you guys are going to really, if you, anybody who likes Friday the 13th, will love 13 fanboys so i highly recommend you get on over and see and it. check that out yeah, well i think we're out. planning on checking out some different movies and love to see some new ones and judy thank you so much for your time and for being on real talk and uh i think that's it thank yeah, you, you wanna- and Judy took part in the Crystal Camp Crystal Lake Memories documentary, which is an excellent horror documentary on Friday the 13th series. And, you know, of course, you know, in the interview, she's telling us the story about her getting hypothermia shooting that lake scene. And I just found it so interesting that she wanted it out there that she liked director Joe Zito. Like she wanted to make that a point that she said that in the interview, which I found uh, was was pretty funny. So, Gabe, did anything really stick out to you about talking with Felissa and Judy? I, I like Judy Aronson because she, you know, when people tell you a story and they assume you know it, she was like, she was telling the story about her getting hypothermia and she was like, you know, when I got hypothermia and I was like, I, but you don't want to correct people when they say, you know that. I was like, I didn't know that. And then the whole story <laughs> she was telling me was new. So I was like, this is a good story. But no, I, I'll tell you. Both were very Judy and Felissa. Felissa was like incredible. She was like just talking to us like we'd known her our whole life. And then uh, Judy, same thing, you know. So uh, I thought they were both really good interviews and uh, very, very, very very talkable and likable people. Well, the main attraction from a celebrity standpoint was Bruce Campbell and his old pal Ted Ramey. And that was one of the main reasons that we hooked T-Man into coming is that both of them were going to be there. They had a miniature Evil Dead theme going on, like T-Man had talked about with the cars there. But due to that, there was also Cassie DePivia, who played Bobby Joe in Evil Dead 2. And she was also there. And at one point in her career, she Bobby was a pretty— Joe. Bobby Joe! <laughs> At one point in her career, she was a pretty big soap opera fan. You know, she was a star on Guiding Light, One Life to Live, General Hospital, Days of Our Lives, and she was nominated for a couple of Daytime Emmy Awards. We also found out she's also from Kentucky. So Gabe and Cassie and I, we all bonded over that. And here's our mini interview with Cassie DePivia. So we'll we'll of course get with the the big hitter real quick. You play Bobby Joe in Sam Raimi's horror comedy masterpiece Evil Dead Two. Cassie, over the years, Evil Dead Two has become iconic. Some people consider it a masterpiece in the horror genre. When you think back on your time making the film, what are a few things that stick out in your mind, like when you were actually making the film? I was young. We shot it in Wadesboro, North Carolina, and it was so hot that <laughs> summer. Um, but it was a really great opportunity for me to learn, and I just tried to learn as much as I possibly could because it was the first real film set that I'd ever been on. And it was hotter than a Kentucky summer in North Carolina? Very, very similar, but it was just, we were in an um, old gymnasium and didn't have air conditioning, so it was just... All the sweat that you see in these pictures oh, real. Is, is real sweat. <laughs> I mean, all real sweat. Well, that covers that question. Yes, it was hot. So we podcast, like I said, out of Kentucky, and our third one is actually out of Tennessee. And you're from Kentucky, and our understanding, when you were 18 or so, you performed at the Grand Old Opry. Yes. And that's, of course, in Nashville, where our other buddy podcast out from in. 
So take us back. How did that opportunity come about to perform at the Grand Ole Opry at, at such a young age? And did that unlock a, additional things for you after being able to perform there? Well, I grew up in a small town called Morganfield, Kentucky, and it was about two and a half, two hours north of Nashville. And between my high school and freshman year at Indiana University, I auditioned for what was then an amusement park called Opryland USA. And yeah. I sang there in the summer um, in one of the in one of the shows. And they throughout the summer they chose some of the young talent to perform on the Grand Ole Opry and I was fortunate enough to be one of those young people chosen sang two songs You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man and Satin Sheets um, that was a real thrill now did it lead me to do other things I think everything that I have done since leaving uh, Kentucky where there's in college Los Angeles New York has led me and it just I've had a really wonderful career, including this horror film, and then <laughs> thirty, almost thirty-three years in daytime. You miss Kentucky? I do. I miss my family. I've just visited my parents. Today is my dad's ninety-second birthday. Oh, so. awesome. nice. Happy birthday to him! Are you going to get to go home and spend some time with him? So I was, I was there for eight days, and I drove up. Um, my sister lives in Anchorage. Uh, Louisville so stopped off and spent the night with her and then drove up here this morning and then I'll leave Monday morning and drive back to New York so I drove here by oh, myself okay. so. just for fun I always ask what's your favorite horror movie horror movie yeah I'm kind of scared of them <laughs> me too I would say I'll tell you the scariest one which probably turned me off to the whole genre was The Exorcist so you know if that one hadn't scared me so much at 13 my cousin took me to that. Same came out the same summer that Jaws came out. So I don't swim in the ocean anymore, and I don't watch horror movies. They, they just get, yeah, yeah, they scare me. Well, we really appreciate your time. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Okay. No problem. And then our final interview from day one was probably the biggest screen queen there and somebody that I was honestly really looking forward to meeting and getting an autograph from. It was Linnea Quigley, who put a few boys through puberty back in the 80s with roles in The Return of the Living Dead, Night of the Demons, Graduation Day, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Sorority Babes in the Slime Bolarama. And here's our interview with Linnea. And Lene, what a career that you've had. Um, we'd love to actually have you on our show full, for a full episode sometime. We'll, we'll leave a card if you're ever up for that. But of all the movies that you've made from Psycho from Texas to The Last Thanksgiving, which I think is going to be coming out pretty soon, what was the most fun that you've ever had on the set of making a movie? And why? Why was it such a blast? Probably Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Bolorama because I didn't have to take a shower, yeah. have a shower scene. I didn't, I could cuss, I could like beat up people, and, it, and I could bowl. So it was so fun. And I'm going to bowl tonight with my team here in Kentucky. <laughs> so 
you were the victim of one of the most inventive kills I think I've ever seen in a slasher film where in Silent Night, Deadly Night, they host you up, they put you on the mounted deer antlers uh, by the killer Santa Claus. This movie, of course, it caused a pretty big stir whenever it was was released. Protests, critics attacking us, saying phrases like shame on you and shame on everybody that was in the movie. You know, people were making blood money, all this type of stuff. So I'm curious, when all this uproar started, what were you thinking and were you worried about this affecting your career at all? Oh, no, I wasn't at all. I was, like, in Mexico filming Treasure of the Moon Goddess, and I was, like thought it was absurd when my manager called me and said everybody was protesting and was up in arms about Silent Night, Deadly Night. So I thought it was pretty funny. Actually, it was a great move for the movie because it got so much PR. Mm -hmm. It's it's one of those things that all press is good press type of deal, right? Exactly. It is. It is. So we we had, uh, I'm just shooting from the hip now, but we actually had Eric Freeman on our show. Oh, yeah. From Silent Night, Daily Night, too. Have you ever ran across him? Have you ever talked with Eric at all I about haven't. that performance? I haven't. I mean, we did a movie called Murder Weapon together. Uh-huh. And that was, that was before he did Silent Night, Deadly Night, too. I'm pretty sure. But we never talked about it. Ever. Well... I think for a while he was trying to hide it. I think so. I and think then so. now he's embracing. He's such a good dude. So. He is. He's getting in that Santa suit and and has the axe, so he's fine. That's with it. right. Yeah. That's right. Well, thank you so much. We just wanted to thank borrow you, this couple of moments of, of your time. And it was so cool meeting Linnea. She kind of had a little small entourage with her that Gabe and I actually became pretty good friends with them. And T Man. You were like, as we had just finished interviewing Linnea, you had just gotten into town and I called and I was like, oh my gosh, like we've made friends with Linnea's little entourage. They've invited us to an event later. And so that was, that was pretty cool. So her entourage, she had brought along her best friend, her best friend's family and the husband and his name was Jeff. And I just wanted to shout out Jeff on this episode his family, they had just moved from California to Arkansas where they bought land on Boggy Creek. Yes, that Boggy Creek from the Bigfoot movie, The Legend of Boggy Creek. And of course, whenever we interviewed Eduardo Sanchez, he was telling us all about you know his love of Bigfoot and how Boggy Creek was a big influence on Blair Witch Project and all that. And I'm like telling Jeff this story. And it was kind of funny. He said, hey, if you ever talk to Ed Sanchez again, he goes, tell him he can shoot a Bigfoot movie on my Boggy Creek property for free. And so, Ed, if you're listening, we want that producer's credit. Yeah, Ed, I know Ed's listening right now, so we'll get that rolling soon. Yeah, we'll get a produ- the yeah. new Bigfoot movie directed yeah. by Ed Sanchez, produced by Real Talk, a movie podcast. I feel like we're on to some movies lately, guys. We're going to be producers. Trust me. Well, we'll be like the new, you know, Radio Silence is that horror group that is doing the new Scream. We'll yeah. be like that. Be the new, the new Radio Silence will be real talk. <laughs> so, and then that night, I know um, we uh, we watched them uh, bowl. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of how we we got in there. And what what Teeman's talking about is like after we wrapped up Friday night at the convention center, we literally walked across the street to Lex Live for after hours festivities was really cool. And T-Man, I felt like Lex Live was kind of like your 
up your creek, if you know what I mean. It's kind of like one of the places you like to kind of hang out and do stuff in. So will you give the audience just a little flavor for what that was like over there? Yeah, definitely. Lex Live, I, I agree, was probably my favorite part of the weekend. You know, I like the convention itself, but, you know, a lot of that is you have to go to these booths. So that's not exactly my thing. But Lex Live was much more my thing because it's like this huge uh, bar. People are like, wait, is this guy? That's it, basically. It's just a huge bar. But no, they've got, <laughs> it's like an entertainment complex that's brand new. So they've got like a bar with like a sports bar section, an actual bar section. They've got a, like Buster, like a um, David Buster's type arcade section, a bowling alley, plus movies, movie theaters where they play in all the newest theaters. And so that's where we actually saw the midnight screenings of uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space and Toxic Adventure with the cast there also. And so for me, that was actually probably my favorite part of the weekend was going there, interacting with the people after the convention, and then going to those screenings at Lex Live. Um, and I know you guys had a lot of fun doing that also. Loved it. Loved those massage chairs. Loved beating almost the entire game of Jurassic Park with you in the arcade, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, we did almost beat that whole game. People were watching. People were cheering for us. Yeah, but children, not too much. I mean, we're, we're uh, mid to late 30-year-old men, and children were around cheering for us. So I don't <laughs> know if that's good or bad. Probably <laughs> Probably but, sad, but and nobody was cheering for that sweaty dance dance revolution guy. Yeah, that, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta throw in another story that we may accidentally leave off. We hung out with friend of the show too, Matt Hosley, who has been on our show multiple times and for the Oscar episode. He was, you know, we we all hung out with him, met him at the restaurant. Turns out he's that weird guy who wants you to try out his car. And we were all a little standoffish about that. But then Matt finally convinced me and T-Man to ride in his new Tesla. We were a little bit taken away by the speed, so much so that it almost made us both feel like we wanted to throw up. And then <laughs> Wes saw our face and was like, I got to check out that car too. So he did as well. Turns out Matt's got a pretty cool car that will make you feel like you're going to vom. So if you ever <laughs> going to ride in one of the new Teslas, that will uh, it will throw your stomach into the floor. Trust me. But yeah, no, Gabe, that was awesome. Love meeting Matt Hosley, uh, host of the Lost Art of Podcast, and he's been a big supporter of our show. Um, we're a big supporter of, of his. He actually lives in Lexington, came out to have dinner with us that night. It was just cool, just talking with him, talking movies, hanging out. But yeah, Gabe is right. The 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 freaking new Tesla that he has that we were, we were riding in. <laughs> Like, I couldn't believe it. it's an electric car. And I think Matt will, will think this is funny. It's like when somebody's like, hey, I got a new car. Hey, you want to take a ride in it? You know, you're like, I, yeah. I mean, some people are like, yeah, I'd love to do that. And other people are just like, you know, yeah, sure. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll go just to, you know, you, you know, your buddy's excited about something. So you just want to entertain them a little bit by, by doing that. Well, I <laughs> that's what I was doing, honestly. And I sat down in his car. He took off to show me what that thing could do, and I literally was like, like a Looney Tunes character, like pressed back in the seat with my eyes bugging out of my head. It was amazing. It's literally like we got to ride around in a race car. So, uh, again, love meeting Matt in person for the first time and, and like having that experience. Jason at the end of Jason takes Manhattan when his uh, mask comes off. <laughs> One eye, like, like you know, he's like, oh, his face is on. So any Jason Takes Manhattan fans out there, you'll know what I'm talking about. (laughs) 
So one a couple of things I forgot to mention before we actually headed over to Lex Live is we we met Ryan Branton who goes by Horror Fan Ryan on Twitter and he literally waited around for us to get back from dinner so he could meet us before he headed home for the weekend and that was really cool. We took a picture with Ryan, we posted it on our Facebook, and we just want to shout him out as a listener. That dude was awesome. I mean, and me and me and me and T Man were just getting over being rejected by Ted Ted Ramey before that's what he brought I was us say, back. Tell your story. Tell your story about that. Oh yeah, we did meet Ryan. That was right after that. So yeah, that was great meeting him. So, um, uh, but Ted did not like meeting us. That was like the opposite. Yeah. So <laughs> right when we're meeting Ryan, I get enough courage to go over Ted Ramey, and and there's no line. You know, there's a big line for well, Bruce, but no line for Ted. I walk up uh, and I... Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, before you get into that, though, so we were been talking back and forth, like, all right, should we go and meet, should we go talk to Ted? It's like, well, the line's pretty dead, like you said. Bruce was over there looking like a king. Like, he had a great suit on, he had security around, everybody was around him, flashing those, that million-dollar smile that he has, great charm. Bruce is awesome. Ted, Ted is also great. I'm a huge fan of Ted. Me too. And Gabe and I were like, here, let's go and talk to him. But we didn't have a good intro. So, Gabe, what what did you lead with? What was your lead in? I was just like, hey, um, I don't remember what I said. I kind of blacked out. You I said, think I... hey, you want to be on our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no small talk. Gabe's not into small talk. Gabe's more into going right for the prize. I go right for the jugular. And this was also, so mind you, this was like 8 o'clock on Friday. Ted was literally packing up his photos. He was done for the day. I don't blame him. Yeah. He'd probably been there for a while. Probably traveled in that day. And we so we walked up, these two random guys, while he was packing up. And that's what we lead in with. And suffice to say, it didn't go well for us. <laughs> I don't see where I went wrong. Like Someone comes up to me and says, hey, you want to be on my podcast? I feel pretty sure. Like, is it, is it going to take a long time? Can I do it now? And that's what I was thinking well, he was going to say. But instead he said, he said, uh, how do I know it's just not some S&M podcast or something like that? And I was like, I didn't, I didn't have any proof or anything like that. I didn't well, know what hey. to say. So he caught me. And he won. He, he stumped us, and it didn't hurt our feelings. We loved Ted Steele, and we totally understood. And we actually went back the next day and paid and got a photo with him that you can see on our Facebook group. And that was a great experience just meeting him. And like I said, love Ted. Love, uh, you know, he's the, and, uh, he's in the suit in Evil Dead, too. He's the intro character in Candyman. And he, I think he really came around on us. He was like, you know what you should do? Next time you come up to somebody, because I was like, hey, Ted, we're the S&M guys from earlier with the podcast. We're back. And we're back. And this time we're going to take a picture with you. He goes, cool. And so they took a picture. He goes, hey, you guys, you know what you should do? Next time you should have a card. And then right then I reached into my pocket like James Bond and I just put it into his hand and then, you know, did like a handshake. And he was like, wow. You know, like a, you know, like a tip. <laughs> he likes. We're back. We're back in Ted's good graces. Yeah, I could tell. I could tell he really likes me now. He likes us, and if Ted, you're listening, hope to hear from you soon. <laughs> well, <laughs> if all those freaking Real Talk business cards we printed up, if they never have any other good use than Ted Ramey telling Gabe, you know what you should do? You guys should really have a business card for stuff like this. And Gabe reaches in his pocket, and bam, immediately hits him with it. Like, <laughs> you mean like this? <laughs> Ted was like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that was a great 
fan experience. Like we actually had a lot of cool fan experiences. That we interacted with Ted. Kane was great. We Kane. saw Bruce, but Bruce's line was so long that none of us really wanted. Like, and I almost just liked seeing Bruce. I didn't have to like meet him because sometimes you know you meet your heroes and you never know how it's gonna go. So I like seeing him from a distance. Well, we'll hop back over real quick to to Lex Live to to finish out Friday, and then we just got a couple of things to talk about from Saturday, a couple more interviews, and we'll we'll wind this episode down. But so T Man alluded to it earlier. It was the bowling with Scream Queens, and this is where you would literally buy a a, a limited quantity of ticket to bowl with your favorite Scream Queen, and so Felissa and Linnea. And Amelia Kincaid, and then a couple of younger hosts of paranormal TV shows. Those were the collection of Scream Queens. So, Wes Forsyth, again, shout out to him. He worked it out so Real Talk could get into this special event, not to bowl, but just to kind of hang out and cover the, cover the event, have some drinks, observe. And so I took some video for Wes just of the event and, and sent it over to him. We hung out for a bit, and again, Although we didn't actually bowl, we did get to talk with Felissa and Linnea just a little bit more. But it honestly, it looked like a lot of fun. So if you're a fan of any of these actresses, what a cool way to actually get to literally hang out with them one-on-one for a couple of hours and, and get to bowl with them. So if anybody's interested in doing something like that, check for those tickets next year. So like the guy said, we ended Friday night with some excellent So Bad It's Good movies where we were entered which were introduced by killer clowns from outer space and toxic avenger i do got to tell this we have trouble getting ubers like ubers just weren't running by the time this was over it's like you know 1 1 30 in the morning we're trying to make it back to our hotel which is a couple miles away and of course after a, a long night of being out what do you want you want food you want to get something to eat and so we get taken back by the uber to our hotel and you've got a gas station and a Taco Bell and a Wendy's. And the guys are all talking about they're hungry and I'm hungry too. And so I just get out and I just start headed right over to the restaurants. I'm thinking, okay, the guys are with me. We're all going to go over there. So I get into the Wendy's parking lot and I turn around and everybody's gone. It's just like just me by myself or, or what I can remember. It was me by myself. And I'm like, where the heck is everybody at? So I was like, I, I'm going to try to get some food, not in a car. Um, over there after having a couple drinks and stuff like that. So I'm just walked right up to the to the the Wendy's drive through window and tapped on the window. And I was like, hey, I'm staying over here at the hotel. Can y'all can I go ahead and pay and get some food? And she's like, yeah, people do this all the time. No problem. So I get a full nice meal from Wendy's and go back to the hotel room. Well, T-Man comes up with a bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup <laughs> that he got from the hotel lobby. And that was his meal of Mill of choice that night. So, Tina, how that soup turn out for you? <laughs> hey, chunky Campbell soup always a great way to end the night. <laughs> well, hey, it looks so appetizing. I live, I live by chunky Campbell same, soup. Matt was and, like, "That soup looks pretty good." I think I'm gonna go get got some. Yeah. And then he didn't even like it. Matt's not living rugged right enough. I mean, this is how you live, guys. You got to live on Campbell's chunky. If it's good enough for these NFL quarterbacks, and these are in the prime shape of their lives, yeah. <laughs> I think it's Chunky good enough soup. for me, uh, a non-elite athlete. And, uh, but it's making you stronger and faster, I guarantee it. Well, it, what wasn't funny is getting charged 12 bucks for two cans of, of Campbell's Chunky Soup on my hotel bill. But uh, well, anyway. Agreed. Was, uh, no, I, mean, I, I, 
<laughs> That's a little overpriced. <laughs> they know how to uh, put that additional surcharge onto you. The Wendy's gave me like a, an extra sandwich for no reason. I don't know why they just packed my bag full of food. And Gabe was, of course, the first one up there. So Gabe and I are literally eating hot, fresh chicken sandwiches while they're they're heating up Campbell's chunky soup in a hotel room. So thought that was pretty good. Hey, let's all my move. chunky soup fans out there, tell tell us, hit, hit us back. I hit know us I back got with your fa- hit us back with your favorite chunky soup. Chunky soup. You know, I like the uh, beef and vegetable. That's what I had. That's really my favorite. I know <laughs> there's a, so many I've been on a types. big clam chowder kick. You're a clam chowder? Nice. Well, I know Dak yeah, Prescott. New England clam He's chowder. Chunky uh, Campbell soup guy. NFL quarterback, you know. So let, let's move over to Saturday. And, and we don't really have as much uh, to talk about from Saturday as we've already told a couple stories from there. But one of the most interesting things to me is just realize how old I'm getting. Because... You know, I went to bed that night, you know, perfectly content. It had been a fun night. It was just a great time. I just got my belly full of good Wendy's chicken sandwich and French fries and a, and a good Dr. Pepper. And I was ready for bed. Well, I woke up and I was injured. I literally went to bed healthy and somehow in the middle of the night while sleeping, I pulled a calf muscle. And I'm not kidding, guys. It was bad. Like I, I was hobbling around the next day, very painful. So that's just how old old Wes here is getting. Is that you can go to sleep completely healthy, but wake up injured. So uh, Saturday got off to a rough start for us. Luckily, we are joined by one of our buddies, uh, Zach Simpson, who, as Gabe said, he's our resident saw expert. And I find it funny that our podcast needs a saw expert. It's like, are we just going to be in the middle sometime of just of talking about the soft films and need some statistics or or something like that never that we know have to have, have a solid solid expert well here's the thing he's the only one in the world he's a nationally renowned <laughs> saw expert he is accredited he has gone through an accreditation program yeah he gets invited to college campuses to do saw speeches so we are just very proud and lucky to have a uh, nationally renowned saw expert on our uh our group we do get we do got to shout out zach just a little bit because you know he literally likes about nine or ten horror films and nine of them are the movies in the saw franchise <laughs> oh yeah seven of his ten yeah seven however many there are seven of the ten they're all saw movies but then out of nowhere he randomly is just a huge jason takes manhattan fan he loves Jason Takes Manhattan. He kept singing the song that was against the uh, that starts at the beginning of Jason Takes Manhattan, like after the the scene where he comes up out of the the water and kind of gets on that little boat, and then you know they start showing the scenes of New York and that that song is played. He's literally singing that to T Man and I, and we're like, "What are well, you? What it, are you talking he about?" To us, uh, through YouTube, like he found it on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know how he did it. He sends it randomly. <laughs> So, Zach, if you're listening, man, um, don't send that to me again. (laughs) But because of him being such a a huge Jason Takes Manhattan fan, that's what set up our our Kane Hodder visit. Because Kane, he was also one of the main attractions, and Zach found out he was going to be there. And and he has a full-size Jason Takes Manhattan poster, which honestly is one of the coolest horror posters there are. It's the one where you've got 
the Friday the 13th mask and the knife looking out over New York, although only about five minutes of the movie actually takes place in Manhattan. The rest of it is just Jason on a boat. But anyway, you guys have already told a story about about meeting Kane. That was a great time. We got a bunch of photos with that. And yes, Kane did go after T-Man first. T-Man, all he was is just kind of chuckling at Zack, you know, meeting one of his heroes. And Kane apparently didn't like that and went after T-Man. <laughs> yeah, he he tried to he came right at me. I didn't back down. So he once he knew I wasn't backing down, then he went to Matt and he put Matt in a chokehold. So Matt took our photo, right, of of our real talk guys and our buddy Zach and Kane. It was a great photo. Zach was so happy. And then Kane was like, well, that's not fair to this guy. You know, he he needs a picture too. And so Kane literally grabs Matt. And Matt's in the fitness. I mean, Matt is a really is a, is a strong guy. He's pretty muscular. And Kane grabbed him around the neck and took a photo. And we got a good photo of Matt wincing with literally Kane Hodder choking him out. And afterwards, Matt told me, he's like, he's like, man, he's like, that was cool and all. Because he seriously hurt me. Like, he is a freak, freaking, like, amazingly strong. He's like, I couldn't believe it. He goes, you know, Kane is, what, 66, 67 years old now. Matt was like, you know what he probably does at each convention? He probably finds some guy that looks like they work out, and he goes over and he's like, I'm going to show this little whippersnapper, like, you know, who who is really a strong guy, and then, like, does that to him. So Matt was pretty impressed with Kane's strength. Yeah, I'm glad he didn't do that to me. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm glad I stayed on his good he side. Looked like, he, once he stood up and did that to him, I was like, man, all right. I want a piece of Kane. Yeah, I was trying to keep <laughs> Jason on my good side. I've seen the movies. Well, Killer Clowns from Outer Space again. They 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 showed it. There was that was actually one of the main attractions this year because there was five or six actors from the film. One of which was Grant Kramer, who played Mike Tobacco in the movie. And Grant has steadily been in films over the years, including New Year's Evil, Hard Bodies, which is a is a favorite of a lot of people's a teen sex comedy in the eighties, and most recently. He was in Willie's Wonderland, which is a 2021 movie. So here is Gabe's interview with Grant. All right. Hey, guys. It's Buddy here with Real Talk, a movie podcast. And I'm here with uh, one of the stars of uh, the all-time great Killer Clowns. And he just told me that they changed the ending of the movie because it wasn't received well in audiences. And I'd have to agree. The first question I asked him was, like, how did the cop get out of the spaceship? Because it's not a question of, like... Could he do it? It was a question of time. And then he told me about this wonderful alternate ending. So I'll kick it over to him. Who am I talking to today? Hey, this is Grant Kramer. I played Mike Tobacco in Killer Clowns. Um, yeah, I was just uh, I was just telling Gabe that originally we didn't have that ending. The uh, the spaceship blows up, and that's kind of the end of the Terenzis and and uh, Officer Dave. And um, they did some they did some test screenings. And people said they'd kind of like to have those guys still be around. So we went back a few months after we finished shooting the movie, and we reshot the ending. And we basically made it where where they had hidden inside the ice cream truck, and uh, and uh, so that kind of gave them a, a free pass to come on down. And then they they brought back in the the, the pies come and hit us in the face at the end to kind of loop that 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 part in as well. So. So, um, yeah, the, originally those guys didn't make it, but we went and reshot it to bring them back. 
I'm glad they did that. And, you know, just a personal question on Fear of Clowns, who was your favorite clown that you got to hang out with? You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of partial to my buddy Shorty here. <laughs> Grant, this is also uh, Tommy here. Grant, how many doors were there that you had to go through? like a Russian doll worst nightmare man it was like forever doors forever doors <laughs> well, well man thank you man pleasure to meet you and then Gabe continued wading into the world of so bad it's good films with the trauma film the toxic Avenger from 1984 and Mr. Mark Torgel who played the title character was at the convention and introduced the screening of the film Mark's acting career was fairly dormant from the mid 80s until the early 2000s and then now he's literally busier than ever he has tons of projects going on he's also an accomplished television editor he's edited a bunch of different tv shows and things like that so here's gabe's interview with mark hey it's gabe conway real talk a movie podcast i'm standing here with mark torgel who was melvin in the toxic avenger mark my question to you is you're clearly such a badass in real life how were you able to channel your inner Melvin for the Toxic Avenger? Uh, I'm not a badass. <laughs> I'm a nerd forever. Always have been. Always have been socially awkward. Yeah. Um, it's just after I've had a drink or two, then I can come out and be a little um, outrageous. Who can't? And I gotta say, I love your movie. Seen it multiple times. Every time, it's a fun time. What's your favorite scene in the movie? My favorite scene in the movie is the transformation scene when I'm in the tub and it's all physical effects. There's nothing digital about that. That was made in 1984 and I had all these ladders on my arms that there were production assistants laying on the floor, blowing into them so my arms bubbled up and it was just so much fun. That's awesome. We always talk about how we love practical effects so much more than yeah. all the stuff that we get nowadays. Well, thanks for talking to us, Mark. Oh, you're very welcome. we had welcome. a great time at your show. Oh, thanks so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. And so, Gabe, like, you got to tell us, you know, all these different people you can approach and, and go up to, what made you want to pull the trigger on Killer Clowns and, uh, and Toxic Avenger? That's a great question. Toxic Avenger... I had a weird experience seeing it. I saw it at my friend Casey Estel's, like, uh, friend's parents' house, like, at Halloween. And I remember it just being, like, so weird and creepy and, like, but at the same time, so, like, gross. I've never seen a movie so gross. And so we got to rewatch it, and I was like, but I liked it. I remember liking it as a kid. I remember being intrigued again, and I was like, this is awesome. And everybody else was like, yeah, this is awesome. Wes wanted to stay. Wes had never seen it before, and Wes wanted to stay. I was like, I've got to talk to the Toxic Avenger. I've seen this movie a couple of times. I was like, that would put real talk on the map. And then I actually got to talk to him for a while, but he didn't like doing interviews. So I just asked him, I go, look, I'll just ask you a couple of questions. And he was like, all right, let's do it. He goes, I'll, he go, and, he, and he did it because I've wanted to have the Toxic Avenger on. So that's what sparked that. Now, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Wes, we talked about it. We love Killer Clowns from Outer Space. We had just watched it like a year ago before the mm -hmm. convention. Yeah, hanging out one night. We just popped it in. You were like, I got this movie. I was like, sounds awesome. Let's do it. And we watched it. Um, I'll tell you, Grant Qu Kramer, it's kind of a funny story. Me and T-Man were 
there, we were eyeballing this poster. I was like, man, that poster is awesome. It's one of those like throwback posters for killer clowns. And it just was really cool. Had cool lettering on it. I was like, but I bought it and you copied me. No, I, I got it first. And then you come, <laughs> well, we were eyeballing this poster and it just happened to be at Grant's Kramer's, uh, the guy who played Mike tobacco's thing. And we were like, and I just got to talking to him, and I was like, "Man, this guy's cool." He didn't care. He was just chill, laid back. He was, he was telling, cool. yeah. And and so I get my poster signed. T Man's like, T Man was like, "I don't want any of the other cast. I want, I want Grant Kramer to sign my poster." And he walks up there and got the same thing. But man, he was a cool dude. He told us a story about like an alternate ending, and I, and it was just hilarious. He did it with such a straight face, but he knew his movie was so bad it's great. But he loved it, and. uh I don't know. He gave a great interview. Cool dude. I wish he would come on the show. And he said he might sometimes, so we'll work on that. Yeah, that was awesome. Meeting Grant, uh, getting that poster. That's an awesome poster. I'm so happy I got that. And then Gabe turns around and gets it too. This is the <laughs> second time you've tried to pull the flipperoo on me. Flipperoo. I like pulling the flipperoo on Gabe. So Gabe and I do have the exact same poster, uh, but we both do like it. So Gabe chose two people, like like Wes chose all these scream queens, and and I chose the Toxic Avenger and the main guy from Killer Clowns. Like that's who <laughs> I was there for. Like when I got back, my wife was like, "What were you there for?" I was like, "I met the Toxic Avenger and the dude in Killer Clowns." He was pretty fun. <laughs> that's a hell of a trip right there. We'll close out the episode with this. Just the, after the convention on Saturday, really the last thing that was was really going on. Now, they had a bunch of stuff for kids the next day for Halloween. and But Real Talk wound down their uh, Scarefest trip with Saturday evening. After the convention, all the celebrities, or a lot of them, they headed back over to Lex Live across the street. Um, they were screening Night of the Demons. And we bumped into Linnea quickly again, and we talked with her and her crew just a little bit. They had just finished introducing the film uh, to the crowd, and they were about to head out to eat. And so I just talked with them a, a little bit more, exchanged some information with our, our buddy uh, Mark that we met there. And then the main attraction Saturday night was the after-hours party and costume contest that was going on at, at Lex Live. And quite a few of the celebrities attended. And our buddy Matt, hell of a podcast logo illustrator over here, he enjoyed the festivities quite a bit. And he literally almost uh, ran over Bill Mosley, and who's actually a, a pretty small man. He's not very tall, very docile unlike his film characters. So that was another thing. You know, he was probably just like tired of being around people all day and you have Matt almost ran over him and, and stuff. So, Hey, when real talk comes to town, we're like a wrecking ball. We <laughs> destroy things. Yeah. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. Well, guys, anything we left off from the event or, or just what's kind of your, your closing thoughts overall on uh, attending Scarefest. Great event. Glad Ted Ramey re-befriended us. I'm glad that uh, Jason is got it out for T-Man. We'll probably murder him sometime in his home. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't like that aspect of, of possibly being murdered by Kane, but everything else was great. Uh, awesome time. I hope we can do it again. And it was definitely uh, a, a really fun weekend. 
All right, audience, we, we hope you enjoyed our coverage of the Scarefest. We just thought this would be something kind of unique and interesting to do. We hope you enjoyed the interviews and our stories. And seriously, if you're anywhere around the area or heck, if you live across the country and you just want to come to a cool horror convention, hang out a little bit with Roll Talk next year, we will be there. As always, you guys can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at real underscore cast. That's R E E L. We've got an Instagram page. We've got a Facebook page. You can find both of those by just talking in, uh, typing in real talk, a movie podcast. And for us, that's a wrap. I forgot to thank Matt for our old logo.